The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. It's a beautiful song. Uh, You didn't catch that. uh, Dave wrote that song. Um, It's one of the things, I say this a lot, I haven't said it in a while, one of the things I love about this place is that there's so many good things that happen here, you know, um, and it's wonderful that the, uh, the, the quality of the experience at, at Artisan and the journey of faith that we walk together is not dependent just on the, the uh, staff of pastors that you pay. Uh, there's so many great people involved with lots of different things, and that's one, one example of it. Well, um, in a minute we're going to look at our second passage from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but first, I want to give you a chance to say hello to one another. And a couple things will go on during this passing of the peace, uh, one of which is uh, parents who are here with kids who would like to take them to our children's lesson are welcome to do that at this time. Now, if you have kids ages 3 to 10, we have a lesson at the other end of the building in our classroom wing. And our teacher today is uh, Miss Jaden. She's going to do some art with the kids, which should be really great. And uh, so take them down there, and then after the sermon time, in case I forget to tell you then, please go and pick them up uh, so that <laughs> Miss Jaden is not down there going, when are they coming? Um, and uh, if you have younger ones they, uh, you, that you'd like to have some more room to breathe with them, you can use our quiet room, which is just across the hall uh, from the sanctuary. Uh, so while you're passing the piece, I need, I need four people this morning who will be willing to read a passage of Scripture, Okay. Uh, you don't have to be like, you don't have to have a, a voice like that homeless guy or anything. Um, but just be willing to read a passage of scripture and you'll have a chance to, to look at it. So during the passing of the peace, would four people please be brave enough to come and volunteer to do that? Um, and while those four are coming up and our parents are going down, the rest of you can stand up and say hello to one another, pass the peace traditionally or uh, casually, whatever you prefer.
Still looking for one more reader, and it would be great if it were a woman. All right, we'll uh, get underway in just a minute here. If you want to go ahead and find your seat, grab that last cup of coffee. Today we're continuing in our series uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Uh, and as we talked last week, we know that Jesus uh, went up onto the mountain after he had established a bit of a following. He had a number of followers. He went up on the mountain, sat down, and began to teach the people. And a lot of Jesus' most famous teachings, most famous lessons happened during this one discourse recorded in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And as we mentioned last week, the key verse for understanding the entire Sermon on the Mount, uh, at least that's how how we'd like to look at it, comes at the very end of the narrative. Uh, So at the end of chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, it concludes by saying, now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So we begin to think about Jesus as the true interpreter of the, the uh, Jewish religion that he was born into and uh, which all of his original followers were a part of. And so he would, but he, but he established and, and uh, expounded on this in a way that, uh, that astounded his hearers. Uh, and it was obvious to them that, that he had true authority. So that's the... That's the context and the, and the lens through which we want to see this whole, whole series, actually. And today's passage is one that's um, very famous, probably be quite familiar to you. Um, and it's, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. I'm going to read it once, and uh, if you'd like to follow along, uh, I would definitely encourage you to have your Bibles open this morning, even if you're not usually a Bible open kind of person. 
Uh, you can use the Bibles under your chair and go to page 786, or you can, if you brought your own Bible, you can find Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So by show of hands, how many in the room have heard that passage before? Okay, I see almost every hand up. How many, how many have heard that, what you would describe as many times before? Okay, so you're all good Sunday school people or something. So, What I'd like to do today is help you find a way to look at it with fresh eyes, to hear it with fresh ears, and hopefully to receive it uh, in a fresh spirit. And the way that I want to do that is to teach you a spiritual practice called Lexio Divina. Now, if you've been here at Artisan for a, a while, you know this. We've, we do this from time to time. It's been probably a year or so since we did it last time. Uh, and so even though it's familiar to some of you already, I think it will be uh, first, the first time for some of you to try this uh, too. So uh, we'll have different levels of, of practice with this, this technique, but that's okay. Uh, Lexio Divina is an ancient technique of both Bible reading and prayer. I hear that. It's very interesting to me that this is both a, the process of reading and of prayer. A lot of times in our uh, spiritual lives, won't you agree, we, are, we, we pray and then we read or we study, right? And sometimes we pray about what we read, but it's a, it's a, a kind of another level of, of uh, technique to do both at the same time, to allow the scriptures to shape our prayer. And so what, when we do Lectio Divina, it's a little bit different from other methods of studying the Bible. I often describe it this way. If I'm going to study this passage, my goal will be to master it in some way, right? To come to a level of understanding of what it means and maybe historical context and uh, all that, so that I have some control over what I'm receiving, right? I, and I know how to apply it. And uh, I don't want to disparage that type of Bible study. I think that's actually necessary. And, and after we've done this, uh, after we've practiced this once, I'll tell you a little bit more about why I think that's still important to do. But in Lectio Divina, what we are trying to do is allow the text 
to master us, to allow the Bible to speak into our lives, to allow the Bible to interpret our lives rather than to try to interpret the Bible for ourselves. Does that make sense, that distinction? So Lectio Divina is a, is a, uh, a process of reading the text four times in four different ways. And it's, uh, it originated in the third century in monastic communities. And one thing I love about Lectio Divina is that it's both very Protestant and very Catholic. It's, of course, very Catholic because uh, it originated far before the Reformation. <laughs> so there really wasn't, in fact, before the, uh, the Great Schism. So there was no uh, Protestant and Catholic. There wasn't even any Eastern and Western Christianity. Uh, it was all, in some sense, one at that time. But it's also very Protestant in that when we do Lectio Divina, we really allow and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us uniquely and specially and directly, which is a very, uh, that's a, quite a Reformation ideal. Right? And so we'll read this text four different times, each with a different focus. And I've put up uh, English translations of the Latin movements. The movements in Latin are Lectio, Meditatio, Oratio, and Contemplatio. But for, for you English speakers out there, we'll just go with read, meditate, pray, and ponder. All right. And traditionally, when this is done, you would allow a period of time for each one of these movements or moments. And so you might read the passage several times during each movement before moving on to the next and changing your focus a little bit. Uh, in the interest of making it functional in our setting this morning, we'll just do one reading for each movement, and uh, it, it will be a little bit more rushed than it probably would be if you did it at home, uh, but hopefully it will give you an idea of how it works, and it's something that maybe you can try on your own when you have a little more time. And so I'll give you a quick overview, and, and I'll, before each section I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but the quick overview is that in the first first reading, it's literally just reading. We want to understand it. In the second one, we want to begin to contemplate it a little bit, to meditate on it a little bit, um, and to start the process of trying to find some application in our lives. And in the third reading, we really begin in earnest to pray and to allow the Scriptures to guide our prayer. And in the fourth reading is when we, we finally uh, simply relax and dwell in the text and uh, experience the presence of God, and at that point, the work is done, and we're resting a little bit. All right. And so, what we'll do is, I've I've asked four readers to read this passage, and as each one comes up, I'll give you a little bit more instruction. So, our first reader, um, I, I guess, would be Pat. You came to me first, so you get to be the first reader. And um, why don't you use this microphone here, Pat? And as Pat is reading, we're going to do the first movement of Lectio Divina, which is called Lectio, uh, which literally means read, okay? So very simply, we're going to read this text for understanding, much the same way you might read it if you were about to prepare to study it in a more traditional, uh, modern way, okay? And the, 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 the key technique here in this first movement is to listen for or watch for 
a particular word or phrase. I often say that sometimes the, word, the words will glow a little bit to you. Um, so some people are those who understand better by hearing. And so you may want to just close your eyes and listen for a phrase or a word that pops out. Some people, myself included, are more visual learners, and so you may want to follow along with the text and, and see what kind of pops out to you. So you're listening not only to understand what's going on in the passage, but also for a key word or phrase that God might be illuminating for you uh, this morning. So uh, let's allow Pat to read our first passage here, our first read of the passage. city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and gives it light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Pat. Take just a minute to let that soak in. So again, in that reading, the goal was to understand what's going on in the passage to hear the words that Jesus is speaking, and also to see if there might be a, one little part of that that stands out more than the rest of it. Did anybody experience that? If you, if you, if you had a passage or a, or a word or a phrase that stood out, let me show your hand a little bit. That um, doesn't always happen, and it, actually, in fact, it doesn't always happen in the first reading. Sometimes you have to get into a little bit before some of it starts to, to connect more than others. But um, Anybody want to shout out the word or phrase that that stood out to you in that reading? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay, so you're, you're already beginning to, to, uh, to see questions arise there, which is, that is definitely one of the points. And, and uh, you'll, you'll want to, if you're practicing this at home, when those questions start to pop up during this first stage of reading... You, you probably want to um, tell them to be quiet just for a minute. <laughs> you get to the questions as, the, as you go through the process here, but in the first stage, you want the, you want the questions to be quiet. Um, but you've got your word or phrase. That's good. And you, well, you'll interact with that a little bit more as we go on. Anybody else have a, a word or phrase that popped out? Had that experience of it glowing a little bit in your mind? Exceeds. All right. That's uh, 
toward the end there about unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees? Yeah. Yeah, until all is accomplished. When you when you slow down and let these words soak into you a little bit, you begin to see how how much how rich they are and how much there is in just the little little bits. You and yours, okay. Yeah. So you can see that that um, some of you are already beginning to 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 feel and sense a, a real connection with the Holy Spirit as you read this passage. Um, and you're already beginning to sense God speaking to you in, in a particular way, perhaps. Now, if you're sitting there going, whoa, <laughs> none of this happened for me, nothing stood out for me, I have zero connection so far, that's okay. Uh, don't be discouraged. Um, as I said, sometimes it takes a few readings before it begins to make any sense at all. And, and to be perfectly honest, sometimes it doesn't makes sense even after you've finished everything, and that's okay, because uh, life is like that. doesn't always make sense. So the next stage of the reading is called meditatio, and this is uh, simply meditation. You're going to dwell in this passage a little bit more deeply, and uh, a word that I often use is ruminate. Um, and some, some people talk about this, this stage of Lectio Divina as what a cow does when it chews its cud, right? Um, which, the, if you look at the uh, etymology of ruminate, that's what you find, actually. Uh, if you're, the cow is sort of gnawing on this. It's worrying it down. It's like a dog chewing on a bone, right? Some, kind, some, some of you have visited my house and, and met my spazzy dog, right? Satchmo. A, a complete and utter... Psychopath. Um, and sometimes when, when we have friends over, we will deliberately go to the store and buy a, a gigantic, like, nine-inch nylabone, right? Because a, a brand-new nylabone for Satchmo is, that will occupy him for an hour. And he'll sit there and put it in his paws and just, right? And he, nothing else is distracting him. Even all the new sights and smells and, and things of, of, of visitors in the house, he's chewing on this bone. Uh, and so, if you'll pardon the, uh, <laughs> I guess the somewhat crude analogy, uh, this is what I'd like you to do with the scriptures now: to to chew on them, to gnaw on them, to turn them over and over and over in your mind. And maybe if if that word or phrase that stood out for you, if you had one. Um, maybe especially focus on that. And here's where we begin to start the process of applying this to our life. We might begin to think about uh, a lesson that, that God might want to teach us or a question that we might want God to answer. So our second reader, um, who came to me second? Uh, Rob, come on up. Meditatio. We're going to meditate, ruminate, and begin to apply this.
city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, sets it on a stand, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, Thank you, Rob. Take a minute or two uh, to complete this meditatio. Okay, so the second stage, meditatio. Uh, as you meditated on that, um, perhaps, and this was the case for me this particular time, it t- it, you didn't see that word or phrase that sta- stood out until in the first, in the first stage, but you, maybe you did see it in that second one. Um, just out of curiosity, anybody else who didn't kind of connect with anything in particular the first reading and, and found it in the second one? Yeah, okay, a few hands there. Good. Um, and the other thing that you might, you might do, especially with a passage like this that has two distinct sections, it would seem, uh, and not just because the editors of this translation of the Bible put different headings in there. Remember, those bold headings are not part of the original text. They're just what the editors um, have put in there. Uh, but there's very clearly two, two different ideas going on in this passage. And so you may begin during the meditatio phase to uh, allow that word or phrase um, to speak not only to the section that we're looking that that it, that is part of, but also to the other section that that it may not seem to be connected to immediately. You begin to make connections like that uh, during this movement of lectio divina, meditatio. Now, the third movement of lectio divina is. To, is to me, personally, the one that I usually find the most meaning in, and it's oratio. Um, oratio is Latin for prayer. And so in this stage, we're going to pray. As we read, we're going to pray. Now, that may mean that you're using uh, the words of Scripture as a prayer. It may mean that you're looking at the words of Scripture and you're speaking to God, asking God to help you understand them, or to help you apply them, or to convict you of what, the, what meaning he might have for you. But remember, of course, that prayer is not just you speaking to God, right? You, I, I mean, I was raised in the church, and so for most of my childhood, 
prayer was something that began with dear God and ended with amen, right? The part in between is a prayer. And uh, <laughs> I wonder sometimes how, how enjoyable that is for God. <laughs> right? Have you ever had a friend who just would not shut up? <laughs> like you want to tell this person what's going on in your life, but you can't get a word in edgewise because he or she just can't stop telling you what's going on in their life, right? If you haven't had that friend, uh, you are that friend. But <laughs> um, but God wants to speak to you in prayer as well. And so for, during oratio, it may be that what you need to do is shut up for a minute and stop asking the questions and stop telling God what's on your mind. Not that he doesn't care. Of course he does. But start listening to what he might have to say. So prayer is a two-way street. And, and at its best, the oratio movement includes both directions of prayer. Right? So you will, you'll, you'll say something to God, and God will say something to you. Or um, even better, uh, God will say something to you first, and you will respond. Uh, so, our third reader, Tim. Uh, and as Tim's reading, uh, the third movement of Lectio Divina, which is oratio, or prayer. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled under foot. You are the light of the world. City built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but keeps it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Tim. Take a minute or two and, and finish your prayer.
All right, so that was the third movement, oratio, or prayer. And I hope that you found that you were either able to hear these words of the Scriptures and employ them directly in prayer to God, which, by the way, is something that you can and should do even aside from this type of technique. Uh, and a great way to do that is to use the Psalms, um, because the Psalms are they're songs, but they're also very prayerful. And so uh, when you have no words to pray, uh, you, can, you can often turn to the Psalms and find that somebody else has written the words for you already. And those words are written under the inspiration of God, and so you can, you can make them your own and make them your prayer. Uh, so I hope you're either able to do that directly with the exact words of this text, or, maybe and or, you were able to, to hear God speaking to you through the words of Jesus, and that after hearing that, you were able to respond in a way that seemed appropriate to you. That's the third movement, oratio. And the fourth one is contemplatio, which, as you can probably guess, it's pretty easy to translate to English by putting an N at the end. Uh, it just means to contemplate, contemplation. And in this movement, we consider the work that, that we've been doing finished. And this is, in some ways, the most difficult movement, the most difficult phase of Lectio Divina because you have to you have to put your pencil down, right? <laughs> Remember in school when you were taking a test, especially an essay test, and you're scrambling, scribbling away furiously, and then your teacher said, pens down or pencils down, and then suddenly you, you, there was nothing more you could do. The work, your, your, your role in your grade at that point was, was finished, for better or for worse. Now, the good news is that you're not going to be graded on this today. But there still might be that sense of, oh, man, I, uh, I wasn't quite done yet. <laughs> I didn't quite get everything said that I wanted to say. I didn't quite understand everything I wanted to understand. That's okay. You're going to have that feeling off and on for the rest of your life anyway, so you might as well embrace it. <laughs> and in this fourth movement, your goal is very simply to, to to sit quietly and, and experience the presence of God, to ponder Him, to reflect on the experience that you've had, whether it was rich and profound or whether it was confusing and frustrating, and simply be in God's presence. And now when you hear these words read for a fourth time, they should speak more peacefully to you, hopefully. And they should be for you the presence of the Holy Spirit. God made real in the reading and hearing of His Word. With all the confusion and challenge that comes with that. Uh, so Bethany, our fourth reader for our fourth movement, uh, Contemplatio.
You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Bethany. Take a few minutes and we'll finish up our Lexio Divina. So Contemplatio, our fourth movement in Lectio Divina. And as I said, in some ways the, the most difficult and frustrating. Did anybody else find this, this part a little bit more challenging? It's, it's like a different angle. Is it frustrating at all to anybody? Yeah, I see a few hands there. Um, one way that might be helpful to think about this is um, to continue with a, an educational analogy. It's some of us um, in school tended to cram for tests, right? And we had very good short-term memory or whatever whatever the thing is that's required. And so we could study the night before or the hour before um, and do pretty well on the test. Uh, but those of you in the room who are smiling right now because you're smug and you could do that, uh, and I I could too in, in some subjects. Um, how's that working for you now? <laughs> How much of that do you remember now? <laughs> no. <laughs> Still really good at cramming. <laughs> it is. It's a life skill. Um, but the better way to, to actually learn, now if, you, if you're in a subject that you actually care about learning, it's not wise to do that because you forget it. And it's because there's no contemplatio equivalent in that method. You cram it in, you spit it back out, and you immediately forget it. Whereas if you had studied every night for half an hour or something for a week leading up to that and allowed your brain to slow down and sleep on it and then come back to it the next day, you would really um, internalized it and actually done that thing called learning, right? Um, it's like anything else. If, you have, if you're working on a project and you get stuck and you can't figure it out, you 
you set it aside for an hour and you go back to it and suddenly you have fresh eyes and you can look at it. Lexio Divina builds that into your study by forcing you to, as I said before, shut up for a few minutes and simply be in the presence of God and allow it to, to soak in and dry a little bit, right? And so if you went back to this passage in an hour, you might find that, that it has even new things to say to you. You might have even more insights. And it's because you've allowed your, your brain and your spirit to, to quiet a little bit. So that's Lectio Divina. Um, I imagine some of you might be feeling cheated because you came to church wanting to hear a, a well-educated pastor give you a sermon on a passage of the Bible. Um, uh, some of you are like, oh man, am I glad I did not have to listen to a sermon today. Um, but uh, in all sincerity, I really see my job as a pastor not to, to give you answers, but to help you ask the right questions. I always want that to be what I do when I preach in any way. Um, and in this case, my, my very real hope is that you've learned or sharpened the skill that you can use on your own, a technique that you can use when you're alone studying the Bible or praying, doing both at the same time. Um, and I hope that this is a skill that you'll use. Um, I use it, actually. When, not every, every time, but very often when I'm beginning the process of preparing a sermon, I'll start with Lectio Divina. And that gives me a personal connection to the passage that I'm about to, to try to preach on. Um, a couple of things in closing. Hints and cautions, maybe. Um, the first one is a hint. Uh, I, I mentioned beforehand that, that this is a different type of encountering the text. It's not the type of Bible, inductive Bible study where you try to master the text. It's instead uh, opening yourself to allow the text to, to master you, right? But I remember I also said that I don't want to dismiss the type of inductive study that allows you to understand more deeply. I think that's crucially important. In fact, I think it's really important, even if you want to do Lectio Divina, to understand what's already going on because it if you can take the time to do a more academic type of study, a more traditional Bible study of a text, then you have that basic level of mastery, of understanding, and it's from there that you can begin the process of going deeper with it and allowing God to speak more directly through it to you. So don't neglect the study of the Word of God uh, in, in favor of something like this all the time because you really need both things. Um, I went to a college here in Rochester at Roberts Wesleyan College, and one of my favorite professors was uh, the history professor, the Western Heritage teacher. Um, his name was uh, Scott Caton, and he still teaches. So some of you who've graduated there know Caton, and you know the torture that was involved in his class because he required at the time, probably more now, he required you to memorize 160 dates in your freshman history class. Um, and the reason for doing that was that he firmly believed that you can't think analytically or critically about history unless you have a certain number of facts in your head. You can't place anything in context with anything else unless you have these markers that tell you when certain things happen. And in fact, the beginning of every session of every class, we had to recite the, the Western Heritage Creed, which started out, and I can still recite it to this day, thinking cannot be carried out without the materials of thought. And the materials of thought are facts, or else assertions that are presented as facts. 
A mass of detail stored up in the head does not in itself make a thinker, but on the other hand, thinking cannot be accomplished without this mass of details, right? That was the, the beginning of the Western Heritage Creed, and I think a similar thing happens for Bible study. You know, Lexio Divina cannot be carried out without some basic understanding of the Scripture, okay? So don't neglect the traditional Bible study in favor of this all the time. And then the caution is, um, this is something that ideally should be done in community, all right? It's, it's good to do it on your own as well, um, but even better would be to do it in community with other people, um, because... Uh, the hope is that in Lexio Divina, the Holy Spirit will speak very clearly to you uh, and will, will give you uh, insight and understanding and um, means of application that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Uh, but at its worst, this type of exercise can just send you down um, a rabbit trail, okay, um, that's, that's not consistent with the rest of the teaching of Scripture or with the way it's traditionally been interpreted uh, throughout the ages. And so... You want to do this in community with other people and share your experience with them. So not only so that you can be a blessing to them and they can be a blessing to you, but also so that you can help each other stay on track with things. All right? So um, no one can be a Christian alone, John Wesley said. I firmly believe that. Uh, and that's why we're here together on Sundays. Um, and I would recommend that, that even with a, a personal discipline like this, you do it in community as much as possible. All right? So that's Lexio Divina. Uh, let your light shine. Uh, let's pray. God, thanks for the way that you have spoken to uh, the individuals in this room this morning. And um, I pray that uh, as we continue to reflect on this process of Lexio Divina, that your uh, spirit would, would um, help us to embed these words into our lives, to make them so close and real to us that they are part and parcel of who we are as people, and that uh, in all that we do, we would be the light of the world, that we would be your people, that we would be a city on a hill that can't be hidden, and that we would let our light shine before others. In Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com slash podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.